live from Tel Aviv, two nice Jewish boys, Aitzid Weinstein and Naor Mininger. Hello, Aitzid. Hello, Naor. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm excited. Why are you excited? Because we're sitting here with Professor Israel Alman. That's true. Today we, we are joined by Dr. Israel Alman, uh, who's a mathematician, an economist, and a game theorist. He's a professor at the Center for the Study of Rationality at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, where we are right now. Um, he received the Nobel Prize in Economics in 2005 for his work on conflict and cooperation through game theory analysis. And uh, I, I want to... Chag Sameach, first of all. How are you? Chag Sameach, Chag Sameach. Do you have a, do you have a favorite game? <laughs> um, I, like, ga- I like chess. I don't play it very well, but uh, it's a good game, Yeah, yeah. Do you do you find that you can apply the theories to to chess? There is there is something that you can apply to chess. Uh, game theory applies to chess, and what it says is this: it says something which is not entirely obvious, and it is this: either white can force a win, or black can force a win or both sides can force at least a draw. Now, that may sound uh, <laughs> stupid to you, yes? Uh, trivial, even. With, but it's, if you listened carefully, it's not the same thing as saying either black wins or white wins or the outcome is a draw. That's not what I said. I said either white can force a win or black can force a win, or both sides can force a draw. And that's something different, and it's not so obvious. How how is it different? Well, take the game uh, uh, Scissors, Paper, Stone. You've heard of Uh that game? Yep. Lost many Uh, times in that uh, game. And there, it's not true, what I said. Yes, that that either, uh, let's say... Abe, Abe is playing with uh, Bob, okay? Or Abe is playing with Barbara, to be politically correct. <laughs> yes, and, uh, and uh, um, it's not true that either Abe can force a win or Barbara can force a win or both sides can force at least a draw. No matter what Abe does, That's Barbara chance. could win, yeah. yes. No matter what Barbara does, uh, Abe could win. It, it, no, neither side can force uh, anything, yes? Yeah. So, but in chess, it's not that way. In chess, the outcome is, in fact, that, in other words, chess is a, a determined game. The only thing is, we don't know what the answer is. Uh-huh. But it is a determined game. Chess is different from many other games in that respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even a simple game like matching pennies, okay? Or choosing up uh, uh, mm. sides. Uh, you know, if, if uh, I'm supposed to match uh, your, your, your penny, so if it's uh, both heads or both tails and I win, 
and if it's opposite, then you win. Neither side can force a win. Neither right. side, because if I play heads, you could play tails. Mm -hmm. And if you play heads, then I could play heads, yes? Uh, it, there's no way in which anybody can for any side can force a win. But in chess, it's not that way. The only thing about chess is that nobody knows how to do it. Okay. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, but there are games. There are interesting games in which, in fact, uh, we can apply the same reasoning that applies to chess and show that one of the two sides, and we know which one it is, can force a win but we don't know how, okay? So, uh, so that, uh, that maybe is that's why it's the most the most popular game of, of all of that family because it has that aspect. Um, no, many games of that kind, like Go, okay, mm -hmm. or checkers, or uh, most board games. Yes, not including um, what's it called, the backgammon. Mm -hmm. Not including backgammon. Most board games have that property mm -hmm. that, in principle, they're determined. In principle, mm -hmm. the only thing is we don't know how to do it. Right. Actually, checkers, we do know how to do it. All right. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I, I don't remember which it is, but I think in checkers, the first player wins. The first, the player to move first wins, and we in fact know how to do it. Okay. Uh -huh. But that has been. Uh, uh, that's a development of the last 30 or 40 years, okay? That we, I, know. I, I, that we know. Statistically? Yes, that we know. It, it was known for 70 or 80 years already that one of the three possibilities holds. But which one uh, was not known and how to do it has only became known recently. Mm -hmm. But checkers is a relatively simple game. Mm -hmm. Chess is much more complex and interesting. And, uh, and you researched it. What did you research it? No, no, this is something that I uh, so uh, that, that you know, it's a background. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I researched other things, but yes. not, not that. So, no, what I, I'm trying to understand, but so what you're saying is that there technically chess is a game that there is a way to know exactly how to move and you can win it 100% of the times. We just don't know. How that's to? right. Yeah, that's right. One of the three possibilities. We don't know which one interests. Okay, we don't know whether black forces a win or white forces a win or both sides can force a draw. Ah, okay. Uh, okay, we don't know which one of the three possibilities, okay. but one of those possibilities holds. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um. So you've been asked uh, many times, but just to get it off the table, what is game theory, and how did you? encounter it how did you get involved with it okay there are two questions here what is game theory is question number one and the answer is that it is a an analysis of situations in which several parties are involved several entities and each one is striving to maximize uh, the the good for himself. Each each side is trying to do as well as possible for himself, recognizing that the other sides are doing the same. And very often, the uh, the um, sides are the what's good for me is not necessarily good for you. It may be. It may not be. We may be opposite, like in chess. Yeah. It's a zero sum uh, game. It's a zero sum game. 
But most interesting games are not zero-sum, okay? Most interesting games are, uh, there's some element of cooperation is desirable and some element of competition. So most games are fixed. There are also games which are, we call them games of coordination, where uh, what's good for me is also good for you. Mm -hmm. uh, but that again is most games are not like that mm -hmm. most games have a mix of uh, um, of uh, cooperation is desirable and competition and and each side competes with the other and so how did you encounter it how did I encounter it well I I did uh, a doctorate in mathematics in fact in pure mathematics and um, over there, <coughs> I spent uh, about four or five years doing the doctorate. Uh, in the uh, fourth year, I think, uh, John Nash, who uh, is, is the hero of... Uh, what's the Beautiful name? Mind. A Beautiful Mind, that's right. Uh, he had finished the doctorate at Princeton, just finished the doctorate. I was at MIT, and uh, I was so I was a senior graduate student, and he came to MIT as an instructor, uh, um, and uh, so he was uh, sort of on the lowest rank of postdoctoral work, and I was on the senior doctoral student. We got to know each other, and he explained uh, he explained to me. Uh, what uh, his work on game theory had been about. And I was in pure mathematics, and I listened, and I understood what he said, but it didn't really uh, grab me. Mm -hmm. So, um, From uh, a pure mathematical standpoint, it seems almost, like, abstract a bit. Uh, no, no. On the contrary, it seems very concrete. And pure mathematicians... Uh, uh, don't like the concrete. They uh, like really? the abstract. Uh -huh. Yes, uh, but in fact, my we're film students. We know nothing. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> we don't. We don't know even know Divi that long division. My dear, <laughs> people are forgetting the uh, um, the multiplication table because uh, uh, they just take out to their um, uh, telephones to to uh, to multiply three by two. Our <laughs> <laughs> smarter so, so they're they're forgetting the. Uh, yeah. So if you don't know the multiplication table, get uh, out You're here. like a lot of people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I in fact was in an area of pure mathematics that um, that is quite concrete. It's called knot theory. Uh, the theory of knots, not. Uh, it, when I say not theory, you could think it's yeah. practice, but Un not theory. theory. Yeah. But no, that's it. It's K N O T. Okay. Oh, right. Not, no, no. The theory of okay. knots. Okay. okay. Uh, and that meaning. is. Uh, meaning? Well, the mathematical analysis of, of knots. Uh, uh, here, there's one on the blackboard. Here, I have some more I could show you, but yeah, it, it's not going to go over on the radio, right? right. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, a knot is what you tie yeah, in a rope. Yeah, the knot that uh, I imagine, uh, that's uh, what you research. The knot what, that uh, what you tie in a rope and, and uh -huh. those things. And not each, uh, you know, so knots can be different from each other or can be similar to each other. And the whole study, the analysis of that, it's, it's, uh, it's quite concrete sounding, yes, and mm -hmm. it is, but it, it's uh, deep mathematics and it's very much related to pure 
uh, it is pure mathematics, or at least at the time I thought it was very, very pure mathematics. Uh, so here comes John Nash. Steps and then into your uh, John room. Nash uh, comes and he, we talk about game theory because he did his thesis in game theory. And we talk about that. And uh, I think, okay, it's very nice. It's interesting. We uh, banter it about back and forth, but it doesn't really grab me. And then after my uh, doctorate, uh, I went to work for an operations research firm. You guys know what operations research is? In, in intelligence. Uh, it's, Army you know, all, all, related. It's intelligence, but it's all kinds of things that have to do with, uh, um, no, how do you say nihul in English? Uh, management. Management, that's right. All kinds of management problems. Okay. Uh, logistics. I think that's, that's, the be that's what covers it best. The word logistics covers uh, um, operations research. It's the application of mathematics to solve logistic management problems and so on. And, uh, um, for example, assigning people to jobs, okay? That's one example in, a, in an optimal way. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, in this outfit, we got a problem from Bell Telephone Laboratories who were developing a ground-to-air missile. This was the middle of the 50s, so it was the height of the Cold War. Maybe not quite the height, but we were working up to the height of the Cold War. I think the height of the Cold War came in the 60s. Uh, and um, anyway, they were developing a ground-to-air missile, and the problem that they, were, uh, that they gave us, um, this outfit that I was working for, is uh, suppose you have an attack by a squadron of aircraft which uh, uh, most of which are the, um, demis, they're not carrying any weapons, yeah? And some of which, a relatively small number, are carrying nuclear bombs. Uh, and uh, now you have this ground air missile, what are you gonna do with it, yes? How, how are you going to, how are you gonna try to identify the ones that are carrying bombs? Or what, what will you try to do about it? How, how, how can you best uh, attack this yeah. problem, not only attack the aircraft, but attack the problem, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the the uh, assignment was given to me to work on. And without you being into game theory. Without my being into game theory. But then, you know, once the boss gave me this assignment, saying, okay, Bob, you uh, work on this, uh, uh, I realized, I, f I remembered the conversations with Nash, and uh, I realized that this is game theory, and that's the way you have how, to How is this game theory? How, well, I mean, how do you Well, when you're playing a game, you're the, yeah. the, the, uh, um, the uh, squadron of aircraft uh, are, uh, how, how will they distribute their bombs and so on, and, and and the are they going to cluster them together, keep them apart, and so on? Yes, and and they want to not to be shot down, or mm -hmm. they want at least those those planes carrying uh, yeah. uh, bombs. They shouldn't shoot them down. And and we, okay, the mm -hmm. the ground-to-air missile. You want to, this is a, a classical, and this is in a sense. This is almost a zero-sum game, although maybe it's not quite a zero-sum game either, because uh, it's best for everybody if nobody gets shot down and nobody uh, 
uh, and nobody um, uh, drops any bombs. Yes, we're so it's not off. quite. We're all yeah. better off. Uh, so it's not quite a zero sum game, but in some way you can think of it as a zero sum game. Uh, so I remembered the conversations with Nash, and I started reading up on game theory and attacking this problem. And then after that. It did grab me, okay. After, uh, okay, so after I got my hands dirty with it, uh, um, in you a saw sense, the potential. Uh, and I, I don't know whether I saw potential. It just grabbed me. I, I'm not. I'm, I don't think there was any potential in my head at that moment. Yes, it just grabbed me for the intellectual uh, uh, challenge, the intellectual interest, and one thing led to another, and here we are. So it was curiosity. Yeah. Curiosity, yeah, challenge, challenge. I would say, yeah. yeah, a mixture of curiosity and challenge. Yes. Okay. So let's. I want to take a step back because I know you. You. I mean, now you're. We're in Israel. We're here in Jerusalem. You were born in Germany, correct? I was, yeah, I was born in Frankfurt in 1930. Yes. In 1930. 30. And then 30. you moved to the States at some point. 1938. That's 1938, correct. right before uh, 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 the beginning of World War Two. Uh, year more than a year before we mm -hmm. on Tisha B'Av, uh, 1938, we left uh, Frankfurt and moved to the United States. So you got to live five years into the the Nazi regime under a eight the Nazi years, eight years, eight years, eight years, but but 33. So okay. But oh, oh yeah. that, well, I get Nazi, what you mean. The, okay, the yeah, that's regime. right. That's right. Five which years, is a, five an years. age that you remember you already remember things so yes. so how, how what do you remember uh, from that period how was the life well the thing uh, once in a while we would get beaten up on the way to school but i think what stands out in my mind more um, clearly is the signs on the um, windows and the doors of the sh shops which uh, they were with a uh, light brown background and uh, black lettering, which was at a font which was meant to imitate Hebrew, okay? Mm -hmm. But it was uh, ordinary German letters, but meant to imitate Hebrew. And uh, what it said was, Juden sind hier unerwünscht, which means Jews are unwanted here. We don't want Jews in this shop. And that sort of made an impression on me. Uh, and uh, one saw that pretty often. This is, I mean, if you're asking about, um, you know, what is the most vivid memory of those times, it's that. Now I'll, I'll tell you another story, and this is very interesting. Uh, the Anschluss was uh, in the spring of 38. The Anschluss is the annexation of Austria mm -hmm. to Germany. And this happened just... No Geneva Conventions back there, back then. Well, you know, this was a willing annexation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the Austrians were only too happy in some way. Right, sorry. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so they, Germany annexed Austria, and then there was a plebiscite, uh, Michal Am, uh, the next day, to asking the people whether they approve, the German people, whether they approve of this annexation. And, of course, the thing to do was to say yes, okay. Now, the rabbi of the Frankfurt community 
uh, voted no, okay? And he was arrested uh, for voting no. So you could ask, um, you know, how did they know that he voted no? Yes. <laughs> well, they knew, okay, don't ask. <laughs> and why was he arrested? Well, he was arrested, don't ask, okay? Uh, Not too many questions. German, that was the German democracy, okay? Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing about this, the, the interesting thing about this is that my brother, who was uh, going on 12, not quite 12 yet, 11 and a half, and I, uh, we were very, very good friends, very close to each other, there were only two children in the family, and we discussed everything. And uh, here you, you, you guys are two uh, nice Jewish boys, <laughs> okay? But we were also two nice Jewish boys. And these two nice Jewish boys in Germany in 1938, with all the harassment and all the persecution and all the discrimination, we said the Germans were right to arrest him. Yes, he had it coming to him. Why? Because he was stupid to vote no? No, because it was morally wrong to vote no. Yes, the Germans, one should vote yes. In the, these are two nice Jewish boys, yes, mm -hmm. were so overwhelmed with the atmosphere at that time that we actually thought the rabbi had done something wrong, okay? To the amazing on. power of what Nazi was, propaganda. Yeah, we were overpowered by the, the I, I don't know whether you would call it direct propaganda, but... Um, the ambience. Uh, uh, the ambience, that's the word. The and ambience. W w in, in, in your home, your parents, no. how did they no, feel no, about no, this? No, of course not. No, no, no. So you My didn't... parents were a nice uh, Jewish man yeah. and a nice Jewish woman. No, no, no. No, we got this from the outside. No. Right, uh, no, right, no. right. Okay, no, no. Um, so it's, it's terrifying. Yeah. It's fascinating and terrifying at yeah. the same yeah. time. Um, it's hard to imagine, you know, for us. Yeah. That, that living it, 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 on that point in that point for us it, it's almost like a, a legend that period it's so un it's hard to 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 imagine uh, those right. times i don't know how to how to describe it but back to your work professor alman um you talk a lot about rationality and you also deal with war and politics and i was wondering um, because I, I I heard your lectures and, and you often say that war is not irrational. Oh, of course not. So why, why is that? Well, when you look at it from the individual point of view, it's not irrational because people feel threatened, okay? Nations feel threatened and they feel if they would not go to war... Uh, they would be uh, overrun, uh, they would get their uh, throats slit, yes. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, on the eve of the uh, Civil War, he said uh, that the, in one of the greatest speeches of all time, Lincoln's second inaugural, which I think is, uh, is much more profound than the Gettysburg Address, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, as I say, one of the greatest speeches of all time. Lincoln said, both parties deprecated war, but one would, ra 
would make war rather than let the nation survive, and the other would accept war rather than let it perish, and the war came. Each side, because of the actions of the other side, it was rational for each side to make war. Uh -huh. Okay? So war, the point is that one looked at from a the standpoint of an overarching standpoint that includes all the players, yes, from that standpoint, war is not rational. But when you look at each one separately, and that's what game theory does, that's what game theory is all about. It's looking at each of the players separately in the context of the whole game. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes rational for each side to make war because he is, in a sense, uh, forced into it by the by the circumstances of what the other side is doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. yes. And the, the other the other option, the, the more desirable but, but, option is to is to make peace, hopefully. But I mean I am reading here on your on your board you have a quote from uh, an unexpected unexpected source. Yeah, but the the belief that peace is desirable is rarely enough to achieve it. That's right. Which yeah. that, what's that the source? That's Barack, Barack Obama. Obama. Oh, right. <laughs> Barack Obama in uh, in um, in his Nobel Peace Prize lecture. Yes. So uh, uh, what Obama was saying actually is, uh, uh, my dear audience, yes, uh, um, it's not that simple. It's uh, you gave me this Nobel Prize because I want peace, okay? But that's not enough. Okay? It's not enough to want peace. That's the point. It's not enough to want peace. To get peace is not enough, all right? And that is where the Peace Now people are making a big mistake, okay? The Peace Now people, they want peace now, okay? But that actually wanting peace now is going to make it harder to get it now or in the future okay right. so and and obama realized that and uh, maybe if people would listen to him then uh, the, the, this particular insight actually obama as you probably know uh, throughout his entire administration 8 years uh, America was at war. It's the longest uh, period that America has been at war uh, in history, okay? So this president who got the Peace Prize in '09, yes, actually was a, uh, the world, the, not the world champion, but the American champion of war. Champion not in the sense of being for it, but in the sense Practicing of, it. Of, of doing it, yes. What do you mean? You mean the war in Iraq and... and and his involvement in, in, in Syria? In Iraq and Afghanistan and uh -huh. Syria, all, all over the Middle East. And he, yet he's never world... out of it. He's never out, he's not out of it now. Yet. Yeah. And yet the world is even more, has, has, has drawn more into war than, than when he got this, this Nobel Prize, which is ironic. Uh, I'd say. Well, I mean, there was a lot of criticism of the Nobel Prize at that time. Uh, I mean, people were just taken, I think, with with the, uh, in a way, a beautiful idea, a black president, uh, uh, um, and, uh, you know, a lot of uh, uh, nice rhetoric, uh, 
But he himself realized that the rhetoric is yeah. not enough. Yeah. He himself, I mean, he, I mean, he is, uh, no, I think like most presidents of the United States, he is an unusual person and, and uh, very gifted. And there's no question about it. Yeah, yeah I think the, 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 it seems to me the issue as relates to game theory is that the Peace Now people are ignoring the fact that there's another player. And that he, that other player wants something that's uh, <coughs> yes, I think that that's putting it very succinctly. You have a future, Aitan, being a game theorist. It, it, uh, a game theorist summarizer. Let's uh, <laughs> a little less succinctly. Um, they don't realize that uh, by sending these signals of suing for peace. Yes. They are actually uh, uh, prolonging the war, mm. okay? Prolonging the the uh, standoff. The, um, uh, you because you, uh, you're saying if you want peace, prepare for war. Oh, that's exactly right, and it's written on the blackboard there. Also, oh, okay. okay? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, where yeah, it's written on the blackboard. That's it. Yes, pakem. Yes, pakem. Pakem. It's Latin, and and the the Romans, from whom I took this, uh, they were the world's champions at peace. Okay. By forcing it in it, violent in a violent way upon the weak. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, but they they. They were prepared for war, and when they stopped being prepared for war, they disintegrated. But you know, I heard you making this point. Uh, you you were in a lecture in Tel Aviv University a week, uh, two weeks ago, and you made. But what I don't get is because Israel did prove that we're willing to fight. We proved it several times, and we fought like we fought like very harshly, and yet peace didn't come. I mean, we I think we did prove the point that we are willing to fight and to die. But peace didn't arrive. Well, How do you explain that? Because we're waffling all the time. Yes, we're waffling. We're not saying um, we're not saying that uh, really we have a right to this land. Without it's possible to say we have a right to this land. This is our homeland. It's uh, by. Uh, Uh, it's, it was our homeland thousands of years ago, and it is our homeland now also, and we have international uh, guarantees. We have the San Remo Conference and the League of Nations and all that, and the Jewish homeland, the Balfour Declaration. All this, we have a lot of, of uh, legal stuff to back us up. And, uh, and Palestine was, uh, until 1948, was uh, Palestine, okay? So it was for Jews and for Arabs, for both. Uh, there was only a short period, and this was all of Palestine, yes, including uh, Judea and Samaria and Aza. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, this was all of Palestine. And, and a short, relatively short period of 19 years, uh, Jews were not allowed in in Judea and Samaria, and in in in, uh, in in the heart of Jerusalem also, they were not allowed. Mm -hmm. uh, Jews were not allowed. Not you know, you two nice Jewish boys. I don't know whether if you're Israeli or American or what you are, but uh, but even if you're American, 
if you had lived at that time, you would not be allowed to go and visit Jerusalem. Uh, we wouldn't be sitting here. What? We wouldn't be sitting here. We mean? wouldn't be in allowed here, to sit in here and... and on no, no, no. Here you would be allowed to sit. Oh, okay. No, here you would be because this was Western Jerusalem, so which East was Jerusalem. in Israeli hands. Mm -hmm. doing, here you would be allowed to sit. You would not be allowed to visit the Western Wall. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you would not be allowed in the Old City. And uh, uh, even as Americans, because it was not enough to be an American or not to be Israeli, yes, not enough. It's not Israelis they were keeping out. They were keeping out Jews, okay? Yes. Uh, Judenrein, yes, free of Jews, okay? Uh, the, uh, Jordan was at that time. I went uh, in that period, I had an American passport, and I went, I, I did not have an Israeli passport yet, so I was a pure American, okay? And uh, I went in, in that period to the American, to the Jordanian consulate in Washington and asked for a visa uh, to Jordan because I wanted to visit the Kotel. Uh, and uh, they said, certainly, Mr. Alman, we'll be delighted. Just bring a church membership certificate, okay? <laughs> or a, le a, a letter from your pastor. Yes? No problem. Yes. <laughs> no problem. No problem, yes. Uh, so it was Jews they were keeping out, and that's what they want to do again. Yeah, they want to keep out Jews. Uh, well, uh, the moment you signal to them weakness, you waffle, you say this land doesn't really, but we don't really belong here. It's only for security purposes. We don't really have any business here. Uh, the the uh, Israeli government has not yet adopted the uh, um, the. Uh, no, what's it called? Doch Levy, yes, the the, uh, the, Levy Levy, the Levy report, which spells out our legal uh, claim, our legal right to uh, all of uh, Palestine. Yes, mm -hmm. not it's it's it doesn't spell out that the Arabs do not belong there, but that we do belong there also together with the Arabs, mm -hmm. and we mm -hmm. have never been willing to say that. Yes. So I think uh, 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 we have to be willing to say that, yes, and then we can take it from there, yes. Yeah, so we, I mean, we very kind of uh, um, smoothly, seamlessly kind of moved into politics. And, I, and, and it's something that we find with, uh, with your theory, you know, um, more, more often than, than, than I think other theories. You know, if I don't know if you're studying black holes, then I don't think it's so relevant to the Arab-Israeli conflict. But what I'm, what I'm wondering well, one is... One could call the Arab-Israeli conflict a, a black <laughs> hole. Yes. Yeah, I suppose that's true. The analogy is not far-fetched. Yeah. But I wonder, uh, is how did this come about? I mean, is it, is it, uh, was it a way of looking at the political uh, uh, structure and then an analyzing it? Or was it, did it start as a mathematical theory and develop into politics or did it vice versa or did it just kind of happened hand in hand with you that uh, is yeah. right yeah with, with you me yes. with you with your personal experience with the theory um because you it's a natural it. it's a natural i mean uh, economics is one of the major applications of game theory perhaps the major application mm -hmm. okay and um, and the other one is uh, international relations and and domestic politics okay mm -hmm. so uh, 
so th that that is th those are the important areas, the most important. There's also law and other areas like that. Those are the most important areas of application of game theory. Because what is game theory about? Let me remind you. As I said it uh, 20 minutes ago, a half an hour ago, but it's about um, uh, it's about. Uh, two players. It, it, it's about not two. My it, 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 n, n players, and mm -hmm. any number of players. Okay, mm -hmm. more than one, more than one. That's necessary. Okay, mm -hmm. so Unless you're who insane. are striving to different goals? Yes. Yes. And are aware that they're striving to different goals. Okay. Uh huh. That's what it's about. They're striving about to different wanting. goals, not necessarily opposite. Right. So in chess, it is opposite. Mm -hmm. In uh, uh, in in um, uh, economics, in business, in politics, it's not opposite. But th those are the natural applications. Even the the way I got into game theory, there's uh, uh, missile problem, missile bomber problem. Even that's <laughs> that's that's uh, the most a, practical. It's yeah. a this is a strategic uh, warfare, or no, it's actually tactical warfare. But from there, the step to my my fellow um, Nobelist, the one who shared the Nobel Prize with me. I only got I'm only half a Nobelist, by the way. <laughs> yes, I'm not not a whole one. Yes. Right. Uh, uh, Tom Schelling, who just died, by the way, last mm. week. Yes. Uh, he very much was, uh, he was a game theorist, but he was very much into the uh, game theory of the Cold War. And he, to a large extent, uh, he had a big hand in this. So yeah. uh, so that's, that's what so it's it, about. So uh, apropos, if, if I look not to the Pax Romana times, but to the recent 100 years, we'll, we'll be right over. Um, if I look one in, on, on the recent 100 years, where do I see an example, a good example, where game theory helped strategizing between states or in a war? I mean, who did practice it well that you can point to? Oh, well, that's, a, that's an easy one. I mean, uh, uh, the cold, the, the, I can sh point to failures and I can point to success, but you ask for a success. Yeah. The success is the Cold War. The way the Cold War was run, yes, uh, the uh, it never became hot. Okay, it never became hot, and that's to a large extent because of Schelling and his friends. Yes, and to some extent us also, the more theoretical types, but the more practical types. I wrote to Schelling's widow, okay, a couple of days ago, last week, oh, a week ago already. I wrote to his widow saying that. Tom took sh uh, game theory out of the ivory tower and put it uh, into the real world, mm -hmm. okay? And that, that's, I think, what you can say about Schelling. Uh, uh, so, so this, uh, we, so were, we were ivory tower types. You need the ivory tower. You but need the ivory tower. And the Cold War, the fact that the Cold War never became hot is, uh, is, uh, is, is because... Uh, the game theorists who who had uh, both sides had game theorists. Yes, yes, uh -huh. Uh -huh, yeah. But some would argue that uh, the the, the, the yes, both sides had game theorists, and um, and you know I I uh, I used to travel to the United States frequently, and I once in a while I went through uh, 
Cambridge, Massachusetts, Harvard Square, and so on. And you, one used to see uh, these uh, this very insistent uh, this very insistent campaign to disarm to disarm, mm -hmm. to take away the nuclear weapons, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or even other weapons, yes. Uh, and uh, fortunately, uh, our gov the, the United States government knew better than that, mm -hmm. because disarming would have led to war. Okay. Yeah, disarming would have led to war. Atomic weapons exist, and this is what the game theorists understand. It's not terribly deep, but it's too deep for most people, okay? <laughs> uh, uh, it is that weapons exist in order not to use them. That's detriment. why they exist, in order oh, yeah. not to use them. And many people in Israel don't understand that either. I was, I was at a, a, a meeting of uh, uh, some uh, uh, arm of the uh, conference, uh, arm of the Israeli army, I forget which it was, and, and somebody said, oh, we never use this, let's try stop developing it. I said, no, 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 all weapons exist in order not to use them. Yes, that's game theory. Civis pacem parabellum, okay? And the point is, uh, um, with civis pacem parabellum, if you, uh, if you want peace, prepare for war. The point of that is that it, one point, it's two points. One is, yes, the weapon system you have, develop them by all means to perfection, yes, and then perhaps you have a chance that you won't have to use them, okay? Yeah. That's what they're there for. But more than that, beyond that, you want to put it in your mind. You have to prepare for war. You have to be ready for war in your head. You have to be willing to say to the other side, you know what, I want peace. But if you want war, let's fight, okay? Let's fight. And if you say that and mean it, then you don't have to fight, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. That's unless, game theory, okay? Unless the other one says it and means it as well. Hmm? Unless the other one says it and means it as well, then you will then, end then, up fighting. No, if the other one says it and means it as well, then you won't fight. No, neither one of the two sides will fight. But, uh, you know, it relates to the, the fact that Trump just said a few days ago that he wants to rearm the U.S. with nukes or something in that sense. And so maybe he is also into games, games theory and, 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 and practices it uh, as a businessman. I, I, don't, I don't know whether there is a direct nuclear threat on the United States. Well... I, I don't know. Okay. I no no comment wanna, on that. No I, haven't, I haven't read that. No comment. I, wanna, I do want to go back for a second because, I mean, you said the Cold War stayed cold and it never got hot because of this this, yeah. uh, because this of mutual weapons. threat, Yeah, this yes. deterrent. But, I mean, some would say that it, it didn't remain um, cold. You know, I mean, you had the war in Vietnam that the, the United States joined in the mid-60s and... It started already in the... F so you could say, I mean, there's a different way of looking at it that maybe the, I don't know, that these two great superpowers were building up strength and they had to release it or something in valves. I don't know. But what I'm saying is, you know, the, 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 that period in time wasn't purely cold. I mean... No, I mean, there were a lot of wars and you're right that... Uh, that uh, the Vietnam War was uh, especially painful... Um, but I don't think the, the Russians were not directing that. Uh, it was the indigenous people over there. 
um, in Vietnam. And talking about Vietnam, I visited Vietnam in uh, 06, I think, or maybe 07. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this is a communist country. They have a red flag with yellow trimmings and uh, entirely communist. Um, and it still is a communist country in the sense that it's politically, it's a dictatorship. Mm -hmm. But in the, um, I think it was in the fall of 85, or late summer of 85, they suddenly decided to go from, uh, from communism, uh, from uh, uh, socialism, yes, mm -hmm. so socialism, in other words, uh, uh, joint ownership of all the uh, production, the means of production. Uh, government ownership and so on, and and they uh, moved and from to, that? E to each according to his yeah uh, needs from each according to his ability. That philosophy was mm -hmm. never totally carried out, mm -hmm. but uh, from that philosophy they moved to a market economy in, mm -hmm. in August of '85, I think. A bit and, like China. And, uh, China did it in '79. Yes. Yeah. How do you explain and, that? And. Because they realized, the people in Vietnam, the government realized that their people were starving, okay? Uh, you know, you, you want to sum up game theory in one word, it's incentives. Now, if you have from each according to his uh, ability to each according to his needs, there's no incentive to work. You're going to get whatever you need, yeah. right? And, and uh, the people who have ability are going to get their work taken away from them. It's a beautiful... It's a beautiful philosophy. It's you know, it's it's lovely. It's it's something that I uh, absolutely subscribe to. Mm -hmm. To each according to his needs, from each according to his ability. It's beautiful. There's Alas. one thing wrong with it. It doesn't work. Yes, yes. but that's the only thing wrong with it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, so maybe we should subscribe to. It. Anyway, <laughs> the, the, a large part of the 20th century. Uh, was uh, uh, was devoted to this failed experiment of socialism, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, many lives were and many lives lost. were lost, and and many people starved, and and as I said, the government of Vietnam saw that their people were starving, and when we came in '06, it was a thriving country. Mm -hmm. It hasn't quite reached the levels of China yet, or it had not at that time. Maybe in the meantime. A lot of people on bicycles and on motorcycles. You saw a whole family on bicycles. <laughs> yeah, six or seven people on one bicycle. Yeah, uh, that's also sharing. What's that? It's yeah. also sharing. Yeah, yeah, but it's within the family. <laughs> <laughs> so is it is it hard to? Uh, I mean, because it seems to me like it's it's tackling this. And I said abstract before because I mean. I, I meant the opposite, actually, concrete, but abstract in mathematical terms. It's it seems difficult to me to tackle these these world phenomenons with this purely mathematical approach when there's so many variables and there's all these. Is it? Do you not find that to be a struggle? Uh, if it is math at all, is it more math or more philosophy? No, I, they, we do math. And but we learn things from the math. Okay, we learn some of the more intricate um, implications of, for example, right now, uh, the uh, just now the government has passed a law saying that people 
who hold more than two apartments here in Israel have to pay a very heavy tax on them. Okay, now uh, it sounds great. Okay, to, uh, uh, hit the rich and so on. If you hold more than two apartments, yeah, you must be very, very rich. Uh, uh, so hit them with a tax. But and then then you work out the implications of this. There are two implications. First of all, uh, much fewer apartments will be available for rental, and second of all, the rents when they are available will shoot up. Yes. Yeah. Why so, not? Uh, it's my apartment. Why I not? Well, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. You're a nice Jewish boys, but a lot of the apartments in Jerusalem are rented to students. Okay. Yeah. Who cannot very well afford. But a, I mean, from the owner's perspective, he says, uh, "Well, the government." Yeah, you pass on. The, yeah, I pass it on. Yeah, so uh, things are not always as they appear, and the the uh, uh, the implications they come out from doing the math. But then you have to make sense out of them. Okay, you have to make sense out of them without the math, and and the math is often much more intricate than real life. Okay, but you know if you want to. Uh, uh you really have to if you want to go into something you really have to understand it you have to understand it on a much deeper level than the level in which you're going to use it because if you only understand it on the level on which you're going to use it then the, a lot of things are going to be uh are, are going to uh, pass by, are going to uh, you're going to overlook a lot of things you have mm -hmm. to understand the whole structure and that uh, involves the math, but then uh, you uh, uh, f you use you apply a few insights from it and and unusual insights. Yeah. Hmm. So there is philosophy inside. It's both. Phil it's philosophy and math. In no, I would say it's it's uh, applied math, but. <sighs> May, I don't <laughs> call it philosophy if you wish. The insights that you learn from the mathematical analysis you apply to the real world and they work. So, uh, may I, Eitan, mm -hmm. um, before we, we, we go along on our ways, um, what, what keeps you busy today? I mean, what's the big problem that, that bothers you that you're trying to solve? What are you working on nowadays? Uh... If there are I'm, still I, mysteries in that field, or if okay. you, I'm you can't tell on, us, I'm working <laughs> on a paper which um, have you heard of behavioral economics? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm I'm working on a paper which suggests a synthesis of behavioral and mainstream economics. Uh, that's one thing I'm working on. Uh, um, there are a few other things. Okay. That, that, the th right now, yes. that's my main research concern. Okay. Uh -huh. Behavioral, a synthesis of you know behavioral economics really basically says uh, that uh, uh, people do not behave rationally. They do not promote their own interests. They do irrational things in the sense of not promoting their own interests. And mainstream economics says that people do behave rationally. Okay. Yeah. And I and so they the and in fact the the uh, Nobel Prize in '02 was awarded to uh, Vernon Smith and uh, Danny Kahneman. Yeah, I wanted to ask you and about that because you Kahneman Kahneman yeah. got the prize for showing that people do not behave rationally, 
And Vern Smith got the prize for showing that people do behave <laughs> rationally. So, uh, so I, I, you know, I developed this theme, and um, and you disagree with Kahneman. I read. What's that? You disagree with Kahneman's ideas. I read. No, 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 no. I, I don't think I don't disagree with Kahneman. I don't disagree with Smith. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, the the synthesis I suggest is that f for. For things that happen, usually uh, um, your uh, evolution and and uh, and learning and uh, the people get used to the world. So the, for things that happen, usually uh, people do behave rationally. They advance mm -hmm. their interests. And for things that uh, are really unusual and unexpected, uh, people uh, do behave irrationally and in a systematic way. Uh, so, uh, so those are uh, really the. When you look at it deeper, Kahneman and Smith do not disagree. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, one Kahneman, Kahneman's work applies to the unusual situation, the unexpected situation, uh, the infrequent situation, whatever you want to call it. Yes, and and, and so uh, the exception to the rule. Okay. And Smith applies to the rule, okay, to what happens frequently, usually, expectedly, as a rule. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So um, I think we have a little situation to, to, to analyze here because who's going to win here in this game of ours? You want to leave. You want to get us out and go eat a donut. And we want to stay no, here. I don't want to so. eat a donut, but I have to light candles at 4 o'clock. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because I'm going at 4.30. I'm going to Debbie Lipstadt's uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, screening movie, mm -hmm. and we have to be there by 4.30, so I have to scoot out home. And So uh, you won and, in this game. And... Uh, uh, I promised my wife I'll be there at 3.30. That's not going to happen. Okay. But, uh, we don't want to get in trouble but, with uh, your wife. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Professor, thank you so much. It was delightful. It was a pleasure. And thank best you. Of, of, of luck and health and everything to you and your family. And uh, Eitan, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> nice Jewish. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.